Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I want to thank my loyal listeners for tuning in, support, joining me on the show, as well as their comments. So if you see me looking down today, that's because I am still posting information. But I want you to share this information because we basically have to end the stigma and the taboo as it relates to toxic relationships by ending domestic violence. I am the host of the show. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist as well as the host at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I am being a therapist. I provide a lot of different services. One of the services that I provide is the 52-week batteries intervention program for perpetrators of domestic violence. So if you are in an unhealthy relationship, it's toxic, we're going to be talking about the honeymoon period, the cycles of abuse, and I'm also going to be having a woman join me, and I'm going to introduce her, as her name is Janice Freeman. And she is an author of a book entitled She Got Up. And she's going to be telling her story, sharing her testimony, because there's a lot of individuals that are still living in shame and guilt, and you don't have to, because hope is available. Now, I'm not saying be a woman like me that would be like, boy, I wish a motherfucker would, because that's not the right way to go about it. We have to utilize wisdom, because abuse can occur in many different forms. So let me log on, Janice. And we're going to get started with the show. Hello, how are you doing? This is Janet. Yes, hi. How are you doing today? How are you? I want to thank you for joining me here on this episode because this is a topic that many individuals are ashamed to talk about. You know, sometimes individuals feel stuck. They feel trapped. Families don't know what to do. Sometimes families get involved where they have tried to help the individuals by offering shelter. Sometimes the family members can get killed too. So we're going to be talking about this and sharing information because I don't want nobody to feel ashamed, but I want to let individuals know that you can't go from being a victim to survivor as well as there are some individuals that I went from victims to perpetrators, and we're going to be talking about how some of this stuff even start or get going because they say it's about power and control. However, mental health can play a role. Drugs and alcohol can play a role. There's a lot of factors. So, again, Janice, Arthur, she got up. Tell the listeners who you are and what started you on your journey. Yes, hi. Uh, thank you uh, for inviting me on on this beautiful day on the radio, on this network. I wanted to share, I'm Janice Freeman, and I'm also a survivor of domestic violence who didn't lose her voice due to the situation. And um, I want to share a brief testimony from my book, She Got Up, My Life, uh, True Journey of Surviving. And uh, one of the things I would like to share, one of the things I would like to share is that um, in the midst of domestic violence, I was with a relation, in a relationship with a gentleman that he was um, a believer, 
and um, we reconnected, and we were dating for about a year. Within that year period, everything was beautiful at the beginning. Everything was nice and respectful, and then later, months later down the road, um, I actually ignored something. I said, oh, he's just playing around, just the wording he has spoke, but yet um, – He's so he was so involved in church. He was so involved in praying, um, opening the doors, and and just being polite, you know, dinner, what have you. Then shortly after, the conversation started changing regarding uh, the verbal uh, speaking towards me. And then shortly after, he was so uh, aggressive about money um, for me to give him finances. And when I shared with him that I didn't have finances. He got really upset and thought I should have given him money, and I'm like, no, I don't have it. And so he didn't take that very um, in a good way. And so after repeated times as he was asking me for finances, I kept repeating, saying, no, I don't have to give you. Then that struck a nerve in him. His whole demeanor changed, and that's when it started being a physical situation, abuse on what I, when I had told him no, I didn't have it to give to him. So and in a place where um, I was in the kitchen one day cooking and putting things together for dinner, and he asked me again for money. And I shared with him because it was really nice and sweet uh, and whispered in my ear. Uh, the demeanor shifted so quickly. Again, no. And so he actually pushed me against the wall, pinned me against the wall, and I shared with him that he was hurting me. He didn't want to hear that. I said, you're hurting me. Let me go. Repeatedly, let me go. You're hurting me. About the fifth time, he decided uh, to let me go, and I was hurting. I was crying. And then as far as I was walking away from that position, that place in the kitchen, he grabs my right arm, and he bent it where he twisted my arm to where I was was bent over. And I said, you're hurting me. Let me go. And then my eyes, after a while, zoomed in. I looked up and I saw keys on the counter. And once he released me from that position, I grabbed the keys and I ran out the door. And I was crying. I was hurting. And then um, I took myself to the actual ER. And when I went to the ER, I actually didn't tell the truth to the doctor because so much was going on in my mind oh, my God, my kids and, and him, and he might come back after me and he might get picked up by the police and all kind of things was running through my mind at the time. And the doctor asked me, what happened? I said, I failed. Mm. And I lied. To protect who? <laughs> and I was in a place where I felt like I was stuck. Mm-hmm. And I was um, close to a break, and the doctor had to wrap me up, did the x-rays or what have you. I was close to a break. And I came back shortly after, not shortly, but some time went on. I came back, and then he had the gospel on, like the Passion of Christ uh, movie, and the whole atmosphere just shifted where he was so nice, like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't have a memory of what took place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so and you know, it was. Someone no, posted and said, "That's so awful. I'm sorry that happened to you." And a lot of times we miss the red flags. 
You know, mm-hmm. people think met him in the church or grew up together. We were neighbors. We were friends. You know, uh, uh, people suffer in silence. And that's why with this topic, ending domestic violence, you know, there's a, a big story behind this kind of stuff. And they were protecting women. They were protecting animals before they were protecting women and children. Now, me, and like I, I share with you, I work with perpetrators of domestic violence. So I do the 52-week batteries and eviction program and the child abuse program. And many individuals are not aware of how that impacts their children, especially even if the child is a baby or if the child is in vitro. I remember when I met my son's father, and I witnessed domestic violence in my community, and I want to say men can be victims of domestic violence too, and men don't tell. So this is not about male bashing because I also work with women that are perpetrators of domestic violence because a lot of men think, oh, the woman's not going to go to jail. No, she can go to jail too. So it doesn't discriminate. doesn't matter how smart you are, what type of job you have, your your racial um, identity or your None of that matters when it comes to domestic violence. What makes it domestic is the relationship, parent-child relationship, same-sex relationship, married by blood, baby mama. If you had a sexual relationship, the abuse can be physical, which is what most people think of, is hitting, punching, slapping, spitting, things of that nature. And now, I don't know, Janice, if you know, Strangulation is an automatic felony to where before it was just classified as physical abuse. You can get more time for strangulation. We have verbal abuse, the name calling, putting people down, the yelling, the cursing, and people minimize that. Well, I didn't put my hands on them, but you called them all kind of names. No. No, using threats and intimidation. We got the emotional abuse which is you don't see the outside scars where you may see the black eyes and the bruises and the burns, but the emotional part is detrimental and traumatic, and individuals can experience PTSD. You got spiritual abuse. You got financial abuse. You got sexual abuse. And, Janice, sexual abuse is really big in other cultures. You know, I had a person ask me, Jeanette, if, my, if I want to have sex and my wife tell me no, am I supposed to not have sex with her? No means no. People are not aware of spousal rape or date rape. No means no. Have an individual perform sexual acts against their will. All of that is domestic violence. Taking their phone, the possession, destruction of property, no. And when individuals talk about the courts and stuff, people, I've heard individuals say, because of O.J., because of O.J. No. I tell individuals, it was a Tracy Thurman story that pretty much started that, where Tracy Thurman called the police numerous times. She met a guy. She he, he wooed her over, charmed her, did all of this stuff, then started beating her first, cocaine calling, putting her down, then started beating her. And the police thought it was a joke. Until they finally went to the home, and one of the police officers got, got somebody stabbed. So, no. You know, mental health can play a role. Drugs and alcohol can play a role. 
And like I said, I want to reiterate, it also happens in the church. Now, Janice, you indicated something about how he would go and listen to music and spiritual. Do you think he had a mental health issue? You know, I'm glad you asked that question because I found out later he was bipolar. Mm. On medication, yes, he was, and wasn't taking the medication. I found out by his mother. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting I, is this. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was watching a movie on, I think it was either Dubai or BET, and it was called Wake, where this young man was bipolar. And people minimize bipolar disorders, bipolar one, bipolar two, bipolar automatic episodes, the violence. We minimize it. I remember, like I said, I was a witness of domestic violence as a kid. I didn't know it was domestic violence, but my father was on drugs, and he would physically abuse my mother. It got to the point to where my mother started fighting back. And, I mean, we used to have, like, on our cabinets, the cabinets counter be all tore up, and I used to be like, I would never, ever let nobody do that to me. And then it got to the point to where my mother never left those toxic relationships, and she involved me to where me being a female, thank God I didn't have any brothers because she probably would have got my brothers killed. But me being a girl, I would defend my mother. Then she started fighting back. And I remember one time as a kid, she was so tired, she loaded a 12-gauge shotgun, a 22-gauge shotgun and shot my daddy in the butt while he jumped out of a window because she got tired of the abuse. And then she went from being a victim to being a perpetrator. And then I remember when I met my son's father, people used to tell me how abusive he was. and He was nice and charming to me, but then when he finally got me up under his wrap, I'll never forget one day we were walking down the street, and he was talking about, well, you think you bad. I'm going to get so-and-so to jump on you. I'm like, I always had good fighting skills. I wish a motherfucker would. And I got mad, and I hit him in the nose, and his nose started bleeding. He sucked me in the mm-hmm. eye, and I ran home, and I did exactly what my mama did. I was in my room. The next thing I know, I'm loading up a 12-gauge shotgun. Like, I will blow this motherfucker brains out. So part of it is a learned behavior because we don't know how to handle our emotions. <laughs> Even today, I gotta be. I can't mess with violent, dangerous. That don't work for me because I know the cycle, the the tension building, the battering, then the honeymoon period. And it was crazy because I remember growing up as a teenager. My mother put me out because of my son's father, and I had to go live with him. Girl, mm-hmm. I used to be with him and his mama, but I didn't know he was schizophrenic. I didn't know what schizophrenia was. So when he would accuse me of things or hear voices and couldn't sleep at night, I did not know that man was schizophrenic. So mental health can also play a role, and it's mm-hmm. dangerous. It's dangerous. Like I said, because some individuals, not only women, but men too, go from one toxic relationship to another toxic relationship. And sometimes that stuff is learned at home. Now, if you or somebody you know 
is in an unhealthy, toxic relationship, you've got to know the signs. I remember my mother asked me one time, Jeanette, mm-hmm. have you ever paid attention to how this young lady talked to your son? Girl, one day I heard her. But at age 18, my son was stabbed twice by a female, and he never mm-hmm. told us. He never said anything. And so, but the young lady had experienced trauma growing up, too. So that led me to believe trauma is no joke. You know, it's people. some people have baggage, and they bring baggage, baggage into a relationship. But when individuals have experienced trauma, that's a whole other beast. Now, again, if you or someone you know is in an unhealthy, toxic relationship, the number to the domestic violence hotline is 800-799-7233. And I want to say, don't judge nobody. Don't criticize nobody. And a lot of times individuals don't want to put their family members at risk because families have been killed. I was just doing a group last week, um, Janice, and it was about the young lady in Detroit who married a man who had already killed his first wife when she was pregnant. She met her husband through her father, who was a pastor. And I guess the father hooked her up with the young man, and she thought the man was, you know, charming, handsome, all of this. But I can look at that man and tell that man got some kind of mental health issue. But the man shot the woman in the foot, killed her two teenage kids, oh, and then God. killed his other two kids. He killed four kids and made her watch. But that young lady is now, she started organizations. She speaks to victims of domestic violence. She is using her tragedy to help other women. Because a lot of times women will say, well, it's better than what, at least I know what I got. At least I don't. And they're scared to leave for a lot of different reasons. How long Mm -hmm. did you stay in that relationship before the, she got up, bro, before you found your uh, Actually, um, I was in a relationship for a total of a whole year. And what happened was that because there's different things that took place in their relationship, also prior to that point of me getting up out of that relationship, was that when he invited me to his mother's house and to introduce me to his mother and his sister's, and I'm thinking, like, wow, that's a good thing because you're actually um, meeting someone. You, you, you're thinking somebody is, isn't really interested in you and taking it to that next level and what have you. When I drove there to the mother, to the location, and I called and let him know I was at the gate, he came out. He was nice and everything. When I was on the other side of the gate, he still didn't open the actual physical gate until later. Um, when he opened the gate, he started fussing. I'm like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. It went from nice to something else. And then he started yelling, and then he started using verbal words as, you know, wasn't pleasant. And then mm-hmm. after a while, he just started hitting me. Then he pushed me to the ground, and then he dragged me out away from the other side of the gate 
And then his mother, I didn't know it was his mother. Then she, the lady came, and he said, this is my mother. The mother looked at me because it was piercing because what happened was I looked up, and she saw me, I looked her in the eyes. She just looked at me like, hmm, she deserved that. I'm like, whoa. The mom didn't say anything to him, didn't say you don't do no correction whatsoever. And they looked and he, at me, and he closed the gate, and they walked away. And by the time I looked up, people across the street was looking at me. I was so embarrassed, so ashamed. Oh, my gosh. It was so hurtful. I was left at the gate on the ground crying to pick up my things. And then shortly after, I walked to the car. As I'm walking to the car, I'm crying, getting in the car, sitting for a moment, and then I drive off, and then he comes out down the street. I look in the mirror, rear view mirror. He's in the middle of the street calling me to come back. I kept going. You know what? Like I, I was said, hurt. Signs, we miss the signs. I didn't know. Like I said, I was 15 years old when I met my son's father. And I heard mm-hmm. the story. People tried to warn me. I'm like, mm, no, it ain't going to happen to me. Oh, no, da, 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 all this other mess. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, like I said, when I had to go live with that man, I learned a lot about him and his mother. And he said something to me one time, and I said, that's why your mama looks like Kojak. And I was in the kitchen, great cook some chicken. Mm-hmm. Girl, the man threw an orange and hit me on the head with a, hit me in the head with an orange. Mm-hmm. I my hand and stuck it in that chicken. I beat him and his mama with that chicken. I didn't know if the mama was trying to help me, help him. I don't know what the mama was doing. Girl, by the time, mm-mm, mm-mm. And more. I don't know what my mama knew, but then my father, I'll never forget. When it, when it got mm-hmm. to the point where I knew, I said, I got to get out of here because this man and his mama is mess. And I didn't know that abuse that he had endured and he was a product of his environment. But I was so not the one. I just was not the one. I'll never forget, I was going to go to college, and I would pack my bag, and he'll unpack it. I'll pack my bag, he'll unpack it. So I call my grandmother. I don't want to call my mama, I call my grandmother. So my grandmother to meet me. My grandmother took me back to the house. He said, I walked in, he said, what you doing here? I said, I'm ready to go. He said, you ain't going nowhere. He grabbed me by my arm. And my mom, my grandmother said, let her go. He was scared of my grandmother because he knew you could mm-hmm. die tonight. So when he looked at my grandmother and he just cried, he just cried. And I never went back because I knew if I would have stayed, one of us was going to be dead and the other was going to be in jail. Mm-hmm. And I had way too much, even at a young age way too much going for me. I was a straight-A student, drum major, red class president. I'm doing all of this, and I'm up here with a gang-banging drug dealer. Oh, no, oh, no. But a lot of it, I didn't know. I didn't know. So we have to take away the shame, the guilt, and the stigma. And the sad part about it is even though I had wound up pregnant, I had a child, I see the same stuff in my son. And as a mother, I vowed to never be that type of mother. I'll never forget the first time my son got stabbed. I was so pissed off, girl, I was helping the other girl. I was helping the young lady. And then the young lady had stabbed my son in the neck. 
He didn't even see me. He was just going off. But the cycle, it seems mm. like it's just, it's, it's, it has to stop. We have right. to find a way to end domestic violence. It's not healthy. I remember growing up as a kid, my neighbors would drink and fight. My mother would say, drink, fucking fight. That's all they do. Drink and fight. Now, like I said, as a therapist, I know that most children that wind up in the foster care system wind up there for two reasons. One is drugs and alcohol. The second is domestic violence. Because Mm -hmm. kids domestic violence or in that type of relationship, they have other, they can have mental health issues themselves. They can have difficulties studying at school, concentrating at school. They have behavior problems themselves. And the parents now can be charged with failure to protect. Is it really worth losing custody of your kids and your kids Mm. going into the care system? It's sad. It's really sad. It is an epidemic. Like I said, it's not only men, women, men too. Right. When we talk about these things, and like I said, the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, you know, there's a lot of individuals that went from victims to survivors. I remember watching the Straight Outta Compton movie with Michelle A. I said, ooh, she had Dr. Dre, and you shouldn't have a baby daddy. Good Lord. You know, and just the things she went through. And the, the sad part about it is, Older women used to have this perception having a piece of man is better than having no man at all. They were right. taught like, baby, what you do? Don't make a man. Oh, no. Oh, no. And so you are starting, are you having an organization? Tell the listeners a little bit about what you do and who you are today. Okay. What I do and who I am, I'm now Dr. Janice Freeman. And I am a certified life coach, domestic violence advocate counselor, and I work with women domestic violence at shelters. I work with um, children as well. And my background is in human services for 13 years, working with the youth in the facilities system, foster care. I'll go and uh, conduct workshops with our youth and um, catch and change of someone else's vision, which is our kids. And also with She Got Up, I'm an author, and I help women, meaning that we do workshops. I have a book called Picking Up the Pieces for Your Life, which is a workbook, eight weeks um, workshop, or you can do it on your own, uh, to help pick up the pieces that you have lost and that you want back and how you get it back, but being true to who you are to really um, look at and read the questions true to you to respond mm-hmm. so you can have a different outlook from that mm-hmm. place and starting that new step in your life. Mm-hmm. Now, She Got Up book has been written about true life testimony. It, I have different reviews of different people's responses over the years, how it's been impactful in their life and how it helped change their lives. And what I've gone through is gave them a different outlook 
or change in their life for deliverance. Then now they're picking up in their life um, the places where they've been, and now they're survivors. Now they're thriving. Now they're doing different things with their family. Now, as far as she got up, we do one-on-ones. We do group uh, coaching. And uh, it's been very, I believe it's been very impactful in the lives of the people. It's truly a blessing uh, to be able to pour into someone else's life for change and to ignite something that's within them to plant, to start that fire that's on the inside of them, to see that they too can get up from that place, whether their mindset, their physical, knowing that you are precious to God, you are a precious jewel, knowing that you have purpose, you have destiny. And so coaching them through life with the place where they're in, there's life after abuse. I didn't realize until myself come out. And I'm thankful that my I'm raised three sons. They're truly a blessing. Um, just step by step. And now today I can say that I am not in a relationship because I chose to be healed and delivered and truly be free and loving myself and knowing who Jay is, building that confidence and that boldness and that courageous within myself by prayer, by um, in the word, knowing who Jay is. And now today has been nine years since I've been out of a relationship and because I want to wait on who God has for me. That's my decision, my choice, because I have to learn, because you cannot measure your time of healing and your deliverance to get to that next place. Give yourself time to heal. Give yourself time to know who you are. Give yourself time for what you want and what you want to see, given that break in between relationships with your family, because I have three sons. And thinking of myself at that time, but I don't think of myself as like as far as, oh, just me, me, I want a relationship. No. Jay has to learn to love Jay mm-hmm. after abuse and dealing with um, being molested and toxic relationships, from relationship to relationship, not have an opportunity to have a break to breathe in healing. And what does mm-hmm. healing look like? Mm-hmm. You know, what does loving you look like? Mm-hmm. And so I and you know, I glanced in the cute. mirror. But, go ahead. That's cute. That's huge. And I'm going to tell you why. That was one of the things that I kind of held against my mother for a long, long time, is she would find mm-hmm. broken, toxic men. And she didn't know any better. And I had to learn she didn't know any better, just like my grandmother didn't know any better. And they went from being abused to becoming abusive. And mm-hmm. I saw the transition. I saw it. I didn't know what it was because I was a product of my environment. And they say that women go through at least seven toxic relationships before they finally realize they're lovable, they're worthy, because they don't heal. They go from relationship to relationship, and then some men come in with this I call Captain Favorable Syndrome, and they find broken, busted women, and then they get to be I come to help you. I come to save you because they don't think about that this is reminding them of their mama or the the, the the sister that they couldn't save, or the best friend that they had that they couldn't save. And then they wind up in these relationships 
still, I remember having someone on my show a couple of weeks ago, and I asked her what made her get the help she got, and she said, my husband and my kids told me, you're bleeding on people that didn't cut you, and that's what happened. And it starts with the verbal, the name calling, putting people down, calling them stupid, yelling at them, treating them like they're kids, and then it escalates to something else, and it can eventually lead to death. When I yeah. was younger, my God brother, love him dearly, God went forward, did a homicide suicide. He killed his wife and killed his kids. I mean, killed himself. They were 32, 34 years old. I bought my house to live closer to him, and I wasn't in this house no more than a week before he did that. So when we start talking about ending the violence, when I look at my nieces and my nephews and my – they look at me now like, Auntie, how you so calm? Auntie, mm-mm, mm-mm. I ain't going to let nobody steal my peace. And nobody wants me going to jail behind. And mm-mm, nope, can't do it. And I'm not going to do it. But I know it still exists, even in my family. It still exists. And it's sad because many of them don't even understand where some of that stuff comes from. It's a learned behavior. I hear sometimes people talking to people just like my mama and my grandmama was talking to their men. And they don't even realize it. They don't even know. Don't even know. But it has to stop. Because the kids are picking it up. And they're repeating it. Dana Hancock, I see you watching. You can call in. So if you, again, or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, or if you are even a perpetrator, seeing you sorry, giving people flowers, doing all of that, don't erase the scars and the damage that has been done. And individuals don't have to stop loving because of what happened to them, but you do have to heal before you take it out on somebody else, including your children. Because some individuals don't realize that they can be abused by the father or the mother of their child And that behavior can be projected onto their kids. And their kids will take it out on other people. I remember a guy told me when we were adults, he said, Jeanette, when we were in school, you were so cute, but you were so mean. I didn't realize that, Janice. I did not know. I remember Mm -hmm. in the fifth grade, I hit a young man in the head with a violin. Girl, we supposed to be playing the violin. I'm going to take the violin and bust the boy in the head with it. And I'll never forget, my mother came to the school. She said, why did you hit that kid? I said, because I thought he was going to hit me first. That was that mm. that I didn't even know was PTSD, the trauma. And I realized mm. as I became an adult, I was disappointed in my parents. And I was angry with my parents, and I took it out on other people in my neighborhood in my community, and in relationships. Now it looks like I just shut down because I don't engage. Not that I shut down. I'm not going to participate. And if individuals want to act like that, they can take that somewhere else because that ain't going to work here. It ain't going to work. And domestic violence is one of the most dangerous calls for police officers. They don't want to get involved. 
And see, right. a lot of times individuals, when they break it up, my family, you call the law. Girl, I will call the police and press charges in a heartbeat because you need some help. And most individuals right. don't think that they need help. And, and I'm going to say this, and I want you to speak on this. I enjoy working with men that are perpetrators of domestic violence because as a woman, they learn to respect me. And if I can teach them to respect one woman, at least they know how to show respect because they probably watch their mama get beat. They probably, most of these men were verbally abused and physically abused by women before they either went off retaliated or did something, or their jealousies and insecurities got in the way. But I enjoy working with men because they're more willing to learn in most cases. Women, on the other hand, I found based on my experience, will continue to blame the man for them getting arrested. Why do you think that is so that women have a hard time accepting responsibilities and being held accountable for their acts of violence. Do you think they just feel justified? Because they may, it may not have been the one that actually abused them that they just took it out on, but they weren't healed. But why do you think that's the case to where it may be a challenge to work with women? And even working with women that are victims, they can be resistant too. They don't always want your help. Wow, that's a lot. Because um, I'm going to go back to this when you were saying that. Because back when I was going through what I was dealing with, and mm-hmm. I actually I had to pray to find out where it started. Mm-hmm. Where is the root of this? And I kid you not, the Lord showed me, took me back to my mother's house in the dream where my cousin molested me. Yep, I'm going to tell That's you that. That's what the seed that was that seed that planted, that grew, was yeah. not acknowledged, mm-hmm. was not treated, nothing, just going from time to time to time, threatened not to say anything. And so mm-hmm. when you have that threat over your head when you're younger and you don't know how to get out of that and then you start meeting other men and think it's okay for them to touch you, it's okay to start receiving gifts, it's okay, it's okay because this person love me because of my children, you bought some diapers, that don't mean anything. But time went on and grew while it can affect your adult into your adulthood. You know, and not just in relationship, like you said, dealing with people, you have to have an outlet, you know, of outrage and different things like that. Because I've seen other cases, people where, for example, you got kids growing up in the system. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hatred going on different personalities, then they have so much drugs in their system and then they get addicted to it and then they start acting out because of the depression and, and different personalities that they click with other people because they feel that they're lonely, they don't have their parents, they grew up like a, a parent in the government where they don't have nobody that loves them. So they reach out to people that give them that attention, that short attention that can cause them a life situation to in jail or death situation, but as far as abuse, healing needs to take place. And we find out what it is and what happened and start opening up to what happened, then you start implementing and things where they can start turning in their lives so they can have a healthier lifestyle, help their mindset. Correct. Once they and it does start with 
hard with the mindset. When you were saying it, it reminded me of, I remember, like I said, hearing about my son's father and how he treated another young lady. And I'll never forget, one day I saw her running down the street. And when she was running down the street, he, I was walking to his house. And he was like, come on, let's go. I get in the car with him. He drives down the street, and he goes to the place where she was at. He drags her out, pins her against the garage, and just started beating the girl in my face. And I'm not smart enough to think, oh, Lord, you might be next. Girl, I got out the car and started beating him up. I'm trying to help yeah. her get away. Uh-huh. I'm like, this is our opportunity to kick his bullet. She was like, Jeanette, stop, Jeanette, stop, Jeanette, stop. Because he had never put his hands on me. Well, I couldn't sit there and watch him beat this girl down like this. That yeah. young looked me dead in my face, ran home, and my auntie called me, going off on me, because in her neighborhood she told them that I helped him beat her up. And that was a lie. But she never mm. Even when he got sick and was dying, and he confessed to me that he believed he had children by this girl, and the way he, she never wanted to leave him alone. And I, and, and, I, and I did tell one day that I was bad and I was wrong for it. Because I'll never forget when I was pregnant with my son, I was getting on the bus one day, and she saw me and she cussed me out. I'm like, ooh, really? So my son was probably about 16, 17 years old. I saw her walking down the street. I said, Reggie, get out the car and say, Lisa, bring your ass here. And my son got out the car and she called her. She, my son called her by her name. And she looked at my son, and she ran. And she was knocking on people's doors, trying to get in their house. And I started laughing. I started laughing. Mind you, I had not seen that girl since the day I got on the bus. She heard my wow. voice. She said, Jeanette, you're mean. That's me. She said, he looked like you. He sound like you. He said, but I knew he was too young to be you. And we laughed and we talked. I don't know whatever mm-hmm. happened, but I know now because when she died, he called me and told me that she had passed away. But, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, the self-medicating behavior, people try to escape. Some people even commit suicide because they don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. Right. Now, I want to say... Can you go ahead. Now, I'm going to read something, and it says, what do you mean by domestic violence? Domestic violence is violence committed by someone in the victim's domestic circle. This includes partners, partners, immediate family members, other relatives, and family friends. The term domestic violence is used when there is a close relationship between the offender and the victim. See, a lot of individuals don't even know what that means. They'd be like, well, I didn't do nothing. I didn't. What makes it domestic? Again. They talk about five main types of violence, physical violence, hitting, punching, kicking, scalping, spitting. We talk about strangulation, verbal violence, including hate speech. And um, psychological violence, 
sexual violence and social economic violence. Now, I want to say this. Even when we start talking about the violence, you got individuals now that are stalkers and stalking people. Girl, my baby daddy, so oh. stalk, you know, stalking even existed. I'm like, girl, I was standing there, you know. standing behind me. Get that. Get that. I'm like, I know that tree ain't talking to me. So what is your take on that when we talk about first a relationship and even when we start talking about stalkers or the stalking you, you know, I, I laughed a little bit because the way you said it, because mm-hmm. it brought back. It's not. It wasn't funny then. I kid you not. When you talk about stalkers, because he did the same thing to me, the gentleman. Uh-huh. I'm in a place. I'm at. Can you hear me? Okay. Let I'm in. A, um, I'm actually at home. I'm in the jacuzzi, relaxing, mm-hmm. and one day the Lord said, "Open your eyes." I opened my eyes. This is this guy was wearing all black, hiding mm-hmm. behind the bushes, looking mm-hmm. at me. I'm like, I'm about to jump out of the jacuzzi. God, the the voice of the Lord said, "No, no, no, be still." Mm-hmm. I was nervous. I didn't know what to do, but I got out slowly and went upstairs. And and and, and yeah, because he left, but he was unannounced. Staring. I don't. I didn't know how long he was there. Mm-hmm. That was a moment. See what happened is, you know, he could. The person could show up anywhere you at. Like he showed up at my mm-hmm. son's school mm-hmm. for two weeks. I asked my son. He mm-hmm. called me. He says, "Mom, Satan says that the, uh, on the curb." So what is he doing? And I knew then he was trying to track me to get back to me. So mm-hmm. I guided him on the phone how to get away from that, make sure he doesn't see you. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a dangerous thing because the person's mindset, once again. Mm-hmm. Girl, that's He's that's thinking it's okay. Uh, huh? No, 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 no. Their mindset. And then you try to, you, it's like I tell people, you can't argue with a fool. And you can't You cannot. Right. Rational person. So now I learned to just be quiet. Don't entertain mm-hmm. it. Don't escalate it. Apparently you're not going to agree. So you know what? I'm going to let you break up with me. So I can go on my little merry way before you wind up getting hurt because you, you don't want to mess with me. And I had yeah. to learn to do things differently. But I remember, and I learned when I left, because I left Compton at 19. I was 19 years old when I left mm-hmm. Compton. And I learned later that my son's father used to pull guns on people and threaten them and tell them not to come to my house. I didn't know that. I didn't know the stuff he was doing. He tried to help make me lose jobs. When I would go to work, he would show up at my bo- at my job, threaten my bosses, intimidate folks. And see, but the problem was I could be just as aggressive as he was. That's mutual combat. He thought it was uh-huh. love. But the problem is, in most cases, they don't know how to love. Now, I want to share some information with you, with the listeners. And it says, are you being abused? It says, look over the following questions to think about how you're being treated and how you treat your partner. Recognize the signs of domestic abuse because Domestic Violence Awareness Month is about teaching individuals the red flags, the signs, so they can identify it. Does your partner 
embarrass or make fun of you in front of your friends or family. Put you put down your accomplishments. Make you feel like you're unable to make decisions. Use intimidation or threats to gain compliance. Tell you you're nothing without them. Treat you roughly. Grab, push, inch, shove, or hit you. Call you several times of night at night, or show up to make sure you are where you said you would be. Use drugs or alcohol as an excuse for saying hurtful things or abusing you. Blame you for how they feel or act. That is huge. Pressure you sexually for things you aren't ready for. Make you feel like there is no way out of the relationship. Prevent you from doing things you want, like spending time with friends or family, because they got to isolate you in order to do that. Or try to keep you from leaving after a fight or leave you somewhere after a fight to teach you a lesson. See, that's that thing. I got to show you. I got to teach them a lesson. Oh, no. Now, on the other hand, do you sometimes feel scared of how your partner may behave? Constantly make excuses to other people for your partner's behavior? Believe that you can help your partner change if only you change something about yourself. That one is huge. Try not to do anything that will cause conflict or make your partner angry. Always do what your partner wants you to do instead of what you want. Stay with your partner because you are afraid of what your partner would do if you broke up. If any of these things are happening in your relationship, talk to someone. Without help, the abuse will continue. Making the first call to seek help is a courageous step. Always remember, no one deserves to be abused. The abuse is not your fault. You are not alone. Don't worry about threats to, your, to you or vice versa. There's information to help and there's resources available. And remember, we got the physical sexual assault. We got different types of, of threats of intimidation. Because a lot of times individuals will say, well, he didn't mean what he said. No. If he said it, he meant it. Because that's to keep you under control. And here's another one, Janice, that I didn't realize. Jealousy. Or mm-hmm. the manner about them. Isolating you from your friends monitors where you go. You got people now that put tracking devices on your vehicle, that put apps on their phone to determine your whereabouts, who you texting, who you that's crazy. Don't want you to work or go to school. Control finances or refuses to share money. Punishes you by withholding affection. Humiliates you in any way or threatens to hurt you, your children, your family, or your pets. If you are experiencing that and destruction of property, what are some of the things you want to share in regards to these types of abuse? Because there's a lot that goes along with this. And a lot of times people think that 
they're going to change. They're just immature. Their father treated their mother like that. Mm-mm. What's your take on that, Johnny? You know, um, that's true because sometimes um, we tend to, to think that we can change someone. Mm-hmm. And then also, too, we cannot change anyone. Mm-mm. They have to want that change. But setting boundaries for ourselves and really looking at not be anxious to get into a relationship because mm-hmm. of what a man can say and do. And then there's times when you mentioned before um, they can get him in a relationship. They say, oh, baby, you don't have to work. I got mm-hmm. you. You know, I got you covered. That get him into a place of control and staying there because they have no experience or don't have anywhere to mm-hmm. go. Um and a place where they think this is all they have. Yep. That's all they have and or all they know. No, I know yes. what I know what I'm getting. Yes. And like I said, we see it in movies. We see it on yes. Facebook, social media. We hear about it on the news. All of yes. this. But yet yes. it's still existing. I want to give some it's domestic violence. And this but, is coming from the National... You, Statistics. Mm-hmm. It says on an average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by intimate partners in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. One in four mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence intimate partner contact, sexual violence, and our intimate partner stalking with impacts such as injury, fearfulness, post-traumatic stress disorder, use of victim services, contractions of sexually transmitted diseases, because in most cases, if he's abusing you, he abuses somebody else too, because he's immature or she's immature and they need some help. Right. One and three women and one and four men have experienced some physical form of violence by intimate partner. This includes a range of behaviors, slapping, shoving, pushing, and some cases might not be considered domestic violence, but it is a form of abuse. I've heard people say, stop hitting me, don't touch me, leave me alone, stop calling me names, and the person don't. And when alcohol or drugs is involved, it escalates. Mm-hmm. Now, one right. in women and one in 25 men have been injured by an intimate partner. One in 10 women have been raped by an intimate partner. That data was unavailable mm-hmm. on male victims. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of physical violence, beating, burning, strangling by an intimate partner in their lifetime. And it goes on and on. Now, on a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotline nationwide. That is a lot. The presence mm-hmm. of a gun in domestic violence situation increased the risk of homicide by 500%. Women between the ages of 18 to 24 are mostly commonly abused by partner. 
19% of domestic violence includes a weapon. And domestic violence victimization is a correlation of high rate of depression and suicidal behavior. Now, I want to say this. Seniors are abused, too. Mm -hmm. A lot of adult children don't know what to do when their parent or a parent is a victim of domestic violence. Because when seniors get older, sometimes they get meaner, women and men. And we often see that a lot. Sometimes the adult children want to just stay out of the relationship and stay out of it. And most of the time they don't know what to do. What is your take on that? Because I'd be like, look, I'm too old to be living like that now. What is your take on domestic violence within the senior population? Senior population. It's sad. I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's sad to see because um, I've seen it. And there's so many different reasons why they do what they do and have done to the elderly. And um, in, in the adult place of mind, it's, it's, they just can't, couldn't get away from the place when they've been instilled for so long. And don't know how to deal with their own issue, then that's an outlet outlet for them to take it out to the elderly, the heart of it. You know, they don't see the place of an uh, elderly. It's a person to them, Mm -hmm. a place where they can do an outlet on that person. There's somebody there that's living that I could take this abuse and just beat them because it's, once again, gets back to the mindset. Mm-hmm. Their mind has to be delivered. Their mind has to be free. Because when they're still dealing with that same thing and going into their adulthood, they're going to still take it out on their parents. Mm-hmm. It's your fault because of this happened in my life. But you're the care person of that elderly or someone else you're caring for. There's resentment. Mm-hmm. And a part of that person. Mm-hmm. And, Janice, are you aware that abuse of the elder adults most often occurs within family, the spouse, children, yes. or grandchildren? Yes. yes. However, abusers can also. Now, what is abuse of elders, adults? Neighbors, paid care providers, landlords, yes. staff, or individuals. Mm-hmm. In position yes. of power, trust, mm-hmm. or authority. Now, a senior is someone that's 65 and older. Then you've got dependent right. adult abuse. But it's, it's interesting, and it's, a lot of times is the most common elder abuse is neglect. Mm-hmm. Some examples include not giving them their medicine. Right. Not feeding them. Calling right. them names. Putting them down. Right. Mm-hmm. Them. Lisa, yes. Girl, I had a person a long time ago. He was in my 52-week domestic violence program because he was cuffing his mama out, cuffing her out. And the police came, and the mother was taken up for him. He thought uh-huh. the police left. The police had not left. Mom, why you call the effing police? And when he did that, the police was right there and arrested his butt. Or domestic violence. Yes. 
See, that's that, that's a beautiful. Yeah, good thing they did stick um, hung around because what happened is when it's verbal and mm-hmm. it's a he say she say thing, and we just take a report. Oh, you're fine until they witness it. Mm-hmm. Then they'd be able to do something. Mm-hmm. Just I- like a young lady, for example, she put in a report for um, restraining order. But the second time she went back because she had a child in that year period, the court denied her uh, restraining order because she was uh, had communication with the gentleman. But he almost killed her. Mm-hmm. But they said, no, we're sorry. We can't give you a restraining order because you was in communication with the gentleman that abused mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. And it now lot. the person right now is trying to run to another state. But when you don't deal with it where you're at, you run to another state, there's still issues that you're dealing with. It's true. And people don't and realize that. the person can try to lure you back into that place. Mm-hmm. That is true. They don't pay any attention to that. Now, I got my client already logging on for the 3 o'clock appointment. So, okay. Janet, how can they find your book? How can they find you? How can they, what do you want the listeners to know? Because we got to end domestic violence. You can't become a survivor of domestic violence. Don't take it out on somebody else. What do you want the listeners to know and how can they find you? Well, real quick, um, for, the, for that to stop is really um, be ready for it. I know it's an operation of fear, but we got to step out of that place of fear and really think about your life because your life is important. So, therefore, um there's life after this, but learning to love you, healing is first and foremost important. It's healing, take counseling, get help, get assistance in your walk out of the place of domestic violence, but be true to you and true to your children because your children depend on you, the parent, to help them get out and survive this place as well, to get help and counseling. There's nothing wrong with getting counseling. It's to help you to your next your, to your next. Um, in your life of survival. But my name is Dr. Janice Freeman. I have a website called SheGotUp.com. You can find the book on social media, which is Barnes & Noble as well as um, Amazon. But as far as getting connected with me, my email is SheGotUp3 at gmail.com. Life, life, life coaching. That's mm-hmm. what I have. And, and to help is- others. Like I said, it doesn't matter your educational status. It doesn't matter how much money you got. Sometimes you'll find people that are what we call, there's different types of dangerous people. Uh, there's a book that was written, and it's called How to Spot a Dangerous Man Before You Get Involved. I tell individuals, don't only try to spot a dangerous man, spot a dangerous woman, too. It goes both ways. It do. Mm-hmm. And, again, my name is Jeanette Abney, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also provide domestic violence groups as well as child abuse intervention groups. I'm also the president of CADVOC, which is a correlation for domestic violence in Orange County, is another thing that I do. There are many shelters out there. They Now I do believe need to have more men's shelters, but there is help available. Utilize your EAP, but it is illegal and unethical to do couples counseling. A therapist can't save your relationship and your marriage, but safety is of the utmost importance. Safety, and remember that. No one deserves 
joining me here at Friendship Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Tomorrow I will be talking about breast cancer awareness because the month of October is also Breast Cancer Awareness Month and it's also my mother's birthday who passed away 15 years ago from breast cancer. So I will be talking about her, talking about breast cancer awareness. I also attended a um, conference about breast cancer awareness and Antoinette Greer will also be a guest on the show. So, again, remember, you got this in domestic violence, the resource, education, development, safety, and not operating in fear, and in silence. Until tomorrow, remember, you got this, and I'll hopefully hear from you soon. Or then, bye-bye. Thank you, Janet. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.